Welcome to the Renovate Podcast. My name is Ben Fuquay. I'm one of the young adult pastors here at Christ Chapel. We're a community of young adults who is being renovated by Jesus and we believe for Jesus. And we're launching our ministry year this week. So enjoy as we jump in deep to the gospel of Jesus. Praise God. You guys having a good night? Yes. God is good. Um, hey, I love that you guys are here. We, we really do, man. I, we have missed you. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I just cried. My wife just holds me at night, and I just cry. I miss you guys. Uh, a lot of tears, a lot of snot, and uh, she endures. Uh, man, keep hanging out with us, too. We, uh, we always do, if you're, if you're new, uh, we always do this thing called the afterword, which is really just a cheesy church way of saying we hang out after the service. Um, but uh, we, do, we do an afterword, so we got all kinds of different things going on. I know some of these guys and girls are going to Hop Fusion, right, afterward. So if you're down for that, go do that. I know some people are going to be playing basketball. I had my wife bring me my shoes because I realized today, I was like, oh, shoot, I don't have my shoes. And I can't dunk on you guys if I don't have my shoes. So I'm going to be playing basketball just right across over there. So, man, if you guys want to stick around or next time bring, bring shorts or something like that, uh, we'd love to just kind of keep hanging out with you. Uh, okay, so here's what we're doing. Man, we're back. Here's what we're doing. Um, we, uh, we're going to talk about, man, big picture, uh, what we're doing as a ministry, right? What we believe is this ministry that's attached to this church, what we believe uh, God has called us to do. And I think within that, really specifically, what God has called you your life to look like, and what you should be doing with your life. And so I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, there is a, a Jewish rabbi, right? This is like first century um, Israel, and there's a Jewish rabbi, and he's walking along a path. And he's walking along this path, and he's got his Torah out, right? A scroll, I'm imagining at that point, and he's just buried in it, right? So he's not paying attention to where he's walking, and he's just buried in this thing, and he's studying, and he's meditating, and he's reading, and he's, you know, he's kind of getting lost. He's kind of wandering around, and he's taking the wrong path, but he doesn't care because he's just in, in this, right? Just studying and studying, and sure enough, he kind of wanders, meanders right up, basically up the driveway of a Roman centurion guard station, right? And there's a guard standing on the top of that station. And as he's, you know, he's got his head down, he's reading, the guard sees him, he's getting pretty close, this rabbi is, and the guard says, stop, who are you and what are you doing? He says, stop, who are you and what are you doing? And, and the rabbi stops and he, he's kind of confused and he's like, what, where am I a little bit? And he's confused. And the guard again, who are you and what are you doing here? And the rabbi looks at him, and he's kind of puzzled and he says, how much do you get paid? And the centurion says, Two denarii, my guess, right? And he's like, what, what, is, what is that? And, and the rabbi says, I will pay you double if you will stand outside of my house and ask me those questions every single day. Who are you and what are you doing here? Where we're going as a ministry and what's gonna happen tonight is we're going to, to look at scripture. We're going to, over the course of specifically the next three weeks, zoom in on how we answer those two questions and how you answer those two questions for your life not just in big life-changing job decisions or big life-changing dating situations, but on a daily basis, who are you and what are you doing here? That's fundamental 
So everything else in your life is gonna flow from how you answer that. And, and I believe and we believe that's why this ministry exists, right? This ministry exists, we believe the church, the big C, the capital C church of God exists to help people answer and push them towards who they are and what they are doing here. That is a function of the body of Christ. Uh, and I believe the answer to that on a, on a real root level is the same. It is the same answer. It will be the same answer. And that answer is the gospel. The answer to those questions on a real, if you dig deep enough, foundationally, the answer to those questions of who are we and what are we doing here, at the root level, the answer is the gospel. And man, there is not a more overused word in the church than that. Right? We use that word and we throw it around all the time. And we, you know, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are called the gospel. We got gospel music and gospel centered this. And we use that word all the time. And, and I think, honestly, it's become kind of white noise. It's kind of lost its, its flavor. It's lost its depth to it. And I think that's a problem for us. I think that's a problem for me. That when I hear that, I think, okay, yeah, that, that. The gospel, right? We know that, we hear that, here we go again. Man, I think every church, every worship experience should always be proclaiming the gospel and taking us deeper into what the gospel is. Here's real simply what the gospel is. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says the gospel, real simply, is the death, is the birth, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe, we believe here that historically, 2,000 years ago in, in the nation of Israel, there was this man born and this man was fully God and fully human. And how that works is this amazing mystery and they attach a really cool word to it so you don't ask more questions called the hypostatic union and you just get intimidated by that word and you stop asking questions. But the, the, this, this man, 2,000 years ago, historically was born and he was fully God, fully man and he lived a perfect life and he was unjustly executed by the Roman government 2,000 years ago. And then I believe that that man didn't stay dead, that he rose from the dead. He bodily and physically rose from the dead. And then he appeared to hundreds of other people and those people testified to his aliveness and to his appearance to thousands and millions more as they spread around the world, oftentimes costing them their life. I believe that the gospel is a historical event that happened. And I believe that that historical event that happened 2,000 years ago directly answers the question for you and me today, right now, who are you and what are you doing here? Because I don't think it always stays historical, right? I believe that this historical fact of who Jesus was and what he did and raising from the dead, I believe that that has changed my life. It has changed my family's life. It is in the process of continuing to change my life. That is this historical thing that happened 2,000 years ago that we call the gospel. And yet the implications of this event are radically changing my life on a daily basis and my family and my son's lives and this community's life. That's what we believe. And it's because the gospel is not just historical. It's theological. It's, it's worshipful. It's personal. The gospel is freeing. It should be. The gospel is radical. The gospel is foolishness to the world around us. It is crazy foolishness to the world that we live in, the culture we live in. I'm gonna be real honest with you guys. I do not blame them. 
I do not blame the world. And in fact, if you're here and you hear that and you hear the gospel and you hear, okay, so we believe that God physically showed up in the person of Jesus Christ, died, rose again, and that that impacts everything about what I'm doing today in my life now, and you think that's crazy, then yes, praise God, you're on the right track, right? You're on the right track. In fact, if you have gone your whole life, honestly, it just if you've gone your whole life and you were, grew up in the church and you were told that and you were fed that Kool-Aid from a very young age and like, this is what happened, this is what, and you've never stopped and questioned it. One, man, you might have an amazing gift of faith. Praise God for that. That's awesome. That you've never questioned and wondered, huh, that's weird and never investigated a little bit. Man, praise God for that, right? There's gifts of faith and the spirit working you that just, man, as a four-year-old, your grandmother told you, you were like, all right, cool. And you just never doubted it. Awesome. For some of us though, I think it's good to be like, wait, why? Why do I believe that? And I think the world around us definitely asks those questions. And they say, man, I don't know that I can believe that. And I believe that gospel for two reasons. One, because with a childlike faith, I accepted that gospel. I put my faith in that gospel and I entered into a relationship with the God of the universe. I entered into a relationship with the God of the universe and he has transformed my life and he is transforming my life and he's working in my life and I see him moving in my life and speaking and, and, and using me and all of these things. And so part of the reason, probably the number one reason I believe in it is because I see the effects of it and I have this relationship. If you were to argue with me and say, you're not married, I'd be like, yes, I am. And you'd be like, no, you're not. I'd be like, well, I have a ring. You'd be like, well, that doesn't prove anything. We'd argue back and forth. But at the end of the day, like, we're just arguing. At the end of the day, I know I have a relationship with my wife. I know, I know because I, I know him, because I walk with him, because he challenges me, because he pokes at me, because he convicts me. Second reason is this. So first reason, childlike faith, I put my faith in it and I'm in a relationship, praise God for that. Second reason though, and, and I think the Lord wants me to share this for some people in the room. Second reason is I think there's really good logic. I think there's actually a really lot of reason behind our faith. I think there's a ton of reason. I'm gonna nerd out just for a second. Just let me nerd out for just one second and then we'll get back to the gospel and all that stuff. Uh, <clears throat> You've got to do something with the resurrection. Something happened. Man, if you're in this room or you got friends or you got somebody who's going to listen to this recording at some point and, and, and they ask really good questions about me, I don't know that I can wrap my mind around 2,000 years ago, this historical event and this fully God, fully man, dying, raising it. I mean, you got to do something historically with what happened. Something happened in the world. Even if you didn't look at the Bible, we know there was a man named Jesus who claimed to be a Messiah who was murdered. And he had all these followers and he was executed by the Roman government. We know that just historically that that happened. And then something historically happened where an entire generation of people who followed him experienced, saw, met, walked. Something happened where they then radically gave up their lives. They were afraid. They were scared. They, they didn't try to overthrow Rome. They weren't getting money out of this. All of a sudden, an entire generation of people in a very specific part of the world just spread out and spread out at the cost of their lives. We're getting martyred. They were losing their families. They were giving up all their possessions because they had experienced something so pivotal. We gotta do something with that. Even just from a historical standpoint, if he didn't raise from the dead, what was their motivation of spreading? Like, what was the motivation of laying down their lives, right? These disciples and these people who interacted with the risen Jesus, they laid down their lives. They gained nothing but martyrdom. Their wives were killed, their children were killed, they were fed to lions. For hundreds of years, believers 
were just persecuted. They weren't trying to overthrow Rome. They weren't trying to, it wasn't a political revolution. Something happened. And so, man, if you're in this room and you're like, man, I'm not sure if I'm there yet. Praise God that you're in this room. I love that you're in this room. You belong here. This is the right place for you. Good, bring your doubts, bring your skepticism. Keep wrestling. I want you to step into a relationship with God that's gonna change your life. I want you to invite your friends your coworkers, your neighbors, your strangers into a place that's going to proclaim the gospel every single week and have their lives changed. But there's good reason too. So wrestle with those things, ask hard questions, find other people. Um, it is so, so important. So thank you for that rabbit trail. That was important for me. Um, <clears throat> here's the thing. Are you ready for the thing? Here's the thing. The gospel, it doesn't just stay historical, right? It doesn't just stay this historical thing that happened, right? It changes us. It changes me, it should. But if I'm honest, if I'm really honest tonight, then, then this random Wednesday night, this random Wednesday night, if I'm in tune and paying attention to the Holy Spirit, then I think as I'm sitting there singing, oh, praise the name, man, and I'm worshiping, this God of the universe, I think if I'm honest, I should also realize that, man, I, I don't think I'm fully exploring the depth of this. I don't think I'm fully walking in the depth of what this gospel has already purchased and designed and drives me to do because I believe we are designed for more. There is something missing. The gospel, listen to me, the gospel is not insufficient, but there's something broken in us that for those in this room who've heard the first five minutes in the sermon and say, yep, we got the gospel, cool, I hope that guy's listening to this, but I already got this, that there's something in us that says, but wait a second, that gospel is the source of all of my growth and freedom and all of the, the depth of my worship and the, the, the security that I have and the, the walk that I have and the, all of those things, right? That we should look at that and say, man, I think I want more. I think I want to be a father. I think I want more of this. I want more of who Jesus is. I want more of this gospel. Let me uh, illustrate it in this way. Uh, when, I was, um, when I was probably about 20, I lived in this, uh, this house in Dallas that a buddy of mine, uh, his dad owned, and his dad had a BMW uh, that he left at the house parked in the driveway. And it was like this cool old BMW. It was an awesome car, right? And it was nice, right? And it was this beautiful thing. And, you know, people pull up and they'd be like, oh, is that your car? And I'd be like, yeah, it's my car, but it wasn't my car. Um, <laughs> and here's the thing, man. You open up the hood of that BMW, there was no engine in that BMW. Uh, they had used the engine for something else and it was just a Beamer sitting in a driveway. But it looked good. It looked really good. But it was just a shell, right? It was technically, was it a BMW? Yes, it was. Was it missing something? Absolutely, a pretty important part, the engine. And it, to, to add insult to injury, I at the time was driving a Chevy Celebrity. Jeffrey, do we have a picture of my Chevy Celebrity? There. <laughs> that was my car, which I inherited from my nanny who died. Uh, don't laugh at that, don't laugh at, don't laugh at my nanny dying. So she died because her car was really uncool and then she passed that on. <laughs> And then she passed that on to me and I drove that bad boy and I pulled up to my house all the time in my Chevy Celebrity and there was a Beamer without an engine in it and it drove me crazy. And so I would just tell people it was my car. Anyway, please remove that. It reminds me of my dead grandma. Okay, so, so 
Here's my point. Here's my point. I, I think we're missing something. I think we're missing, and I don't, I don't think we're missing the gospel in the sense of, oh man, we need something other than the gospel. That's not, that's not what I'm saying at all tonight. What I'm saying tonight is I want to, I want to, be, I want to be a man who is constantly hungry for more of the gospel, who's constantly hungry for taking the gospel and saying, man, how does this change every other aspect of my life? How does this set me free from fear and anxiety and depression and my sin and patterns and, and stuff that I feel stuck in? How does this gospel do that? I want more of that. I want more of that. I don't want to settle for anything less than that. I don't want you to settle for anything less than that. We're gonna spend the next three weeks, this is gonna be a pretty, this is gonna be a more abridged sermon than normal. Normally I go about four or five hours, this is gonna be like 20 minutes. So, so join us next week for our all-nighter here. But, but Josh and I are both, for the next three weeks, we're gonna unpack uh, what that looks like and we're gonna keep zooming in and zooming in on, uh, on getting real and practical with that. Um, and, and so, man, I think there's something missing for a couple of different camps in here. Um, if you're in here tonight or you're listening and you realize, man, I am still searching. I'm still asking good questions. I'm still seeking after this thing. Um, I have been burned by the church in ways that uh, I don't know if I believe anymore because of the crazy amounts of hypocrisy I've seen. Whatever your story is, let's say you're just not there yet. You were just not all in yet with Christ. Man, then, then, then I want, I have prayed for you specifically and our staff and our leaders have prayed for you that, man, tonight, God would grab hold of you in a transformative way. And that's my hope for you. And that there is something more that you, I believe it's not an accident that you're here. I believe that the Lord has you here for a reason. And you think it's maybe because you decided to. Or that I think the Lord is telling a story in your life that's gonna, about to radically change. And so I'm excited that you're here. Just a heads up, I think your life's about to get ruined over the course of the next semester. I do. I think it's gonna get ruined for the gospel. And I love that. And it's gonna be the greatest thing ever. And, and I think there is something more. Or maybe you're in the camp on the other side of the pendulum swing and you say, man, I am a believer and I love it and I love Jesus and I am submitted to him and I am all in with him. And yet, brothers and sisters, man, is there more depth that we are not taking advantage of? Is there more depth that we're not walking in? Are we walking in the fullness and the fruit of what we're gonna talk about with the beauty of this gospel? You've experienced it and maybe you've kind of moved on or you've settled or you're not flourishing in some ways, man. Anywhere in between those things, this is, what we, this is why as a ministry we exist, this is what this word of God is going to lead us into to say, man, we want more. We want more of him. We don't want to settle. So if you're dry or you're burned out or maybe you've just said, man, I tried that and now I'm ready for the next step, we're going to bring you back always to the gospel. What is it? If you're not convinced that you're missing something, uh, Ephesians 2 is where I'm going to take you. Man, I love Ephesians 2. We've preached it here. We preached it this last year, I think, uh, from, from this stage. If you got your Bibles, it's Ephesians 2. We got Bibles underneath, or if you're more into the iPhone thing, or we'll throw it up on the screen, because that's a lot easier for people. <clears throat> Ephesians 2. This is what Paul says. <clears throat> he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Stop there. 
you were dead. Right? So if, if you're not convinced that we're missing something out from the gospel, then just hear this. This is the word of God. You were dead, all of us. For those who are, who are yet to put their faith in Christ, dead. For those who, who are alive in Christ, we could still recall and look and theologically and know in our hearts, man, we were dead. We were, we were dead, all of us. And then verse four beautifully, beautifully starts with, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. There's the gospel. We were dead, but God redeemed and saved us, made us alive with Christ. And then look at what it says, by grace you have been saved. And then verse six, and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right, so to sit down with Jesus is what the word of God is telling us, right? It's a verb here used metaphorically to refer to our present exhortation, right? That we get to sit with, seated with Christ, the privileges, the honor, the authority that are all involved in the enthronement of Jesus Christ is ours if we've been made alive in Christ. Verse seven, did you see that? Did you hear that? So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The immeasurable riches of grace and kindness of our Lord Jesus. Man, the gospel should take us from death to life. Death to real life. And I don't just, I don't just mean the amazing, powerful, once and for all emotional conversion point in your life that's so pivotal to the gospel. I don't just mean that one conversion point. I mean the gospel should allow us to be alive in Christ. Is that your life? Walking in a newness of life, day by day, moment by moment, right? Not just an understanding that, yes, I'm alive in Christ, but a, a moment by moment, day by day, walking in the newness of life. Freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety, freedom from, right, do we walk in that? Not that our circumstances change, not that, man, man, we, we should be able to have the power to not make bad things happen to us, but that even in the midst of bad circumstances, there's still this crazy joy that seems to be made available to us. There is more he wants to expose us to. I believe that. A depth that he wants us to expose, be exposed to. And that is rooted in the gospel. For those who are dead, there is life. For those who are yet to decide, man, if they are all in with Christ, then it is by grace. The next verse is, for by grace you've been saved and not of works. So it's not about religion. It's not about doing stuff. It's about experiencing the grace of God who says, yeah, you're a sinner. And yeah, you can't earn it. And yeah, you can't go to enough church things or religious things, but out of my great love and grace and willing to bring you into this immeasurable blessings, joy to be seated with him. For those who are going through the motions, man, maybe you, maybe you just felt like you got beat up this summer. Maybe you feel like you got beat up this last week. You're dry or you're weary. 
whether it's outside circumstances, whether it's your own stuff that you keep wandering back into and you keep getting to that place of saying, man, this isn't life-giving. When I read Ephesians 2, two things should happen to me. Two things should happen when I read Ephesians 2. As a believer, I should read it and I say, yes, praise God, that's yes, yes, I've been made from death to life. Not this one little event that happened when I was a kid, but I, I, am, I am now alive and I was dead. Yes, yes, yes. And the second thing that should happen is, and I want more, and I want more. I don't wanna move on from Ephesians 2. <coughs> I don't wanna move on from the gospel. Yes, and I want more. Is that the posture of our hearts? And what's that look like? <coughs> what's that look like? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. If you've got your Bibles, you can flip there or flip on your iPhone. or We'll throw it up here. Man, what's this look like? Man, I love tonight. I love that we can just hover around the gospel. <clears throat> I love that the next three weeks we're gonna keep zooming in deeper and deeper and more and more practical. Specifically, we're gonna spend a lot of time right here in 2 Corinthians 5 through the next three weeks. We're gonna cover two verses tonight real quickly. And then we're gonna jump back into worshiping through song. And then the next two weeks, we're gonna spend the whole night in just two more verses in the same chapter. And the next night, three verses. So we're gonna spend the next, we're gonna spend three weeks in seven verses essentially of what does this look like? Man, if there is something more that I'm missing out on as a believer, if there is depth to the gospel that maybe I'm not experiencing, I'm not walking in, man, what does that look like more and more practically? 2 Corinthians 5.14, it looks like this. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. For the love of Christ controls us, right? Some translations say compels us, right? This idea, this idea that what it looks like to be alive in Christ is the idea that, man, I am controlled, I am compelled, my life is not my own, that because of that historical thing that happened 2,000 years ago, because of the, the death, burial, and resurrection of of this guy who was fully God, fully man 2,000 years ago, that now the love of that now compels and controls my life. As a 35-year-old living in 2018, my life is now controlled by that Savior from 2,000 years ago who now sits and intercedes for me. That's what it looks like. Controlled, compelled. Let me, uh, let me just unpack one example. And, and this is what we're gonna spend all of next week talking about is how it affects our relationships, how it affects our identity, how it affects everything else in, in our life, how it affects how we work. We're gonna get super practical, but let me just give you one example for my life. Somebody hurts me, right? Like, I don't mean just like somebody like, you know, bumps me with their elbow in the tailgate, right? Somebody hurts me, right? Somebody does something that just stings, I feel betrayed, and I feel, I feel maybe hated. Um, maybe I feel abused in some way. And I experience deep hurt, right? And there's all kinds of examples of, of this happening in my life, and sadly, maybe of me hurting other people. But say you're hurt. Now, with the love of Christ controlling me, what it does, one of the, one of the ways that it shows up and what it looks like in my life 
is it allows me to look at somebody who's hurt me or hurt my wife or hurt my kids. And it allows me to be able to forgive them in a way that I would never actually be able to forgive them myself. Right? So if somebody has hurt you, and I mean, like I mean really hurt you, just one of the effects of the gospel is, man, it allows you to be set free from bitterness that honestly I think you're entitled to. Man, I got sisters in this room and I got brothers in this room and I know some of the pain and I know some of the hurt and I know some of the abuse. And yet what the gospel does is it sets us free and it sets you free. And so instead of just being angry, I wouldn't blame you for being angry the way some of you women have been treated and some of you men have been treated and the things that's happened to you. I wouldn't blame you for being angry. But what the love of Christ compels and controls us to do, man, one of those effects is, man, I can forgive. I can forgive. I could, maybe in, in due time, I could sit down at the table and break bread with somebody who hurt me, really hurt me. And there could be forgiveness. And that doesn't exist by people just being good enough and just people just sucking it up or people just faking it. And the, the gospel is this powerful, powerful, deep thing. And it controls us. It controls us by the love of Christ and it controls us because of death. Look at verse 15. A death. How we get this. He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. He was dead and he was buried in a tomb on the other side of the world for three days. My God was because of his grace and love and compassion for us. And now because of his death, I get to surrender my life because of his death, I now have life. I now have life and it's no longer my own. I no longer live for myself. They no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so my bitterness and my anger and my frustration and my disappointment and my unmet expectations, I get to put it the cross of Jesus and I can say, man, my life is not my own. He died for you. He died for you. All of the powerful, all of the restorative grace of God is available to us. No matter how deep the symptoms of your frustration or hurt or pain, no matter where you are, no matter how just burned out or apathetic or angry, all of the power and restorative grace of God is available to everyone in this room. It's all available to everyone. And what's he ask? He says, man, this is all available for you. What does he ask? He asks for everything. We're not gonna water this down. We're not gonna lower the bar. He asks for everything. He says, I want all of you. He says, this gospel is powerful. What happened is powerful and its effects are immeasurable. But I want all of you. I want your expectations 
I want your relationship status and I want your job and I want your, your thought life and I want the way you act in traffic and I want, the, I want all of you and I want it to be surrendered to me. And that's hard to do. And that is why this is a daily process of deepening and maturing and growing and trying to get this thing together to say, man, my life is not a, li- a life of trying to work my way up to, to becoming more spiritually mature. It's a process of me trying to disassemble me who's broken, been, and get me out of the way and surrender my life and give up. If you were to look through my journal, which please don't, but if you were to look through my journal, it would be, man, I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours, because I wrestle with trying to take it back. And then, ah, man, I know I'm, it, it's, I'm yours. All of the restorative, powerful grace of the God of the universe is available for you tonight. And what he asks in return is everything from you. He says, come and follow me. Come and follow me and lay down your life. And you say, man, that's hard. I don't exactly know what that looks like. And great, take a baby step. Take a baby step. And if you say, well, I've done that, I've done that. Yes, good. Well, then what are the other areas that you need to keep letting go and running towards them? What are other areas in your life that you find you keep, as a believer even, keep grabbing hold of, keep taking back, okay, God, this is mine. You're this category of my life, but this is for me. Who are we? Who are we? We are those who have been made alive. If you're in Christ, you are those who have been made alive and you are compelled and controlled by the love of Jesus. Have you been made alive? Have you? And if if you have, are you settling? Are you settling? And I worry about the person who in their mind says, no, I don't think I am. I worry about that. I say, man, Lord, would you break through and show them new areas of depth, new areas of how how this surrender to the gospel changes everything. Man, would would you show them that, Holy Spirit? And then what are you doing here? Who are you? You've been made alive. What are you doing here? Whatever the love of Christ compels us to do. Whatever the love of Christ compels us to do. Are you walking in the love of Christ? That's where we're going. That's where we're going for the next two weeks. Zoom in. Let's get real practical. Let's get real personal. How does this affect How does it affect all the practical areas of our life and how do we really play this out? That's where we're going. We're gonna pick up in the next verse in 2 Corinthians 5 next week and we're just gonna dig in and spend three weeks figuring out, man, how deep does this thing go? How deep does this thing go and then where does it send us out? Man, I love you guys. I'm praying for you guys. Our heart and our desire is to see lives ruined for all the other things that are so much lesser in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me pray over you. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for how you love us. Um, Lord, would this just be sweet continuation of worship? Um, Would this reminder for some of us of what the gospel is be something that stirs our affections? God, protect us from becoming callous to that idea and this concept and this, this thing that happened, Lord. When we sing about it, Lord, when we think about it, when we pray about it, Lord, would you continue to show us how you might desire to control us by the love of Christ, that you've compelled and controlled us and that our lives are no longer our own. And for that, Father, we're grateful. We are grateful. So, Father, do what only you can do in our life, and that is 
to bring about change, to bring about real change in your change. Do what only you can do, Father. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovate Podcast. We really do hope it was a blessing. Uh, hey, we, we really are an imperfect ministry, and we know that. Um, we're filled with imperfect people and imperfect leaders, me uh, definitely at the top of that list. Uh, but our hope is that you are falling more and more in love with a perfect and holy God. And so especially if you're in the Fort Worth area and you're disconnected from community, uh, come and spend some time with us. Reach out to us on our website. We'd love to take you to get a cup of coffee or buy you lunch or buy you breakfast. Uh, just see what God's doing. I think so often we settle, and I talked about it in this sermon, we settle for a, for a gospel that's shallow, or we settle for seeing the gospel as just the entry into the Christian life as opposed to uh, really this whole source of our maturity and our depth. And so we'd love to continue to push you to look more and more like Jesus. So let us know how to love you well. God bless you. See you next week.